0: Episode 33 of the Pilot to Pilot podcast takes off now.
1: Hey everybody, how's it going? My name is Mike Wahili. You might know me as Fly With Mike on Instagram. Uh, I'm working on my CFI. I go to Louisiana Tech University down in Ruston, Louisiana. I'm a, a Republic Airline campus ambassador, also a line service technician, and I'm, I'm a uh, volunteer firefighter as well.
0: What is going on, AV Nation, and welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot Podcast. My name is Justin, and I am your host. I am bringing you this episode from the sunny and beautiful Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm currently out on a trip. That's why this episode is a little bit late. That's why the audio might be not as good as I'm using my backup mic. It is not as good as my other mic, so bear with me for this intro and the outro. The other part will be recorded on the best microphone you can get, so don't worry about that. Guys, today I am talking with Michael Healy. Michael is a current pilot down in Louisiana. He is training for a CFI as we speak, but even though he is not a professional pilot, he does have a ton of experience and a ton of knowledge of what he has gone through and what he can recommend a student in college trying to juggle both flying, maybe working line service, and school and extracurricular activities. I hope you guys truly enjoy this episode. Some of the things we talk about in this episode is how Michael originally wanted to be a filmmaker, how motion sickness almost stopped him from flying altogether, what he was able to do to overcome his motion sickness. What his training was like once college started, and how his private pilot check ride was the hardest check ride he has ever taken. Aviation, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And like I said earlier, please don't mind this bad audio. But go ahead and if you like this episode, leave us a review on iTunes, leave us a review on Facebook. You can email us at gmo.com Also, reach out to us on Instagram at pilotthepilot. If you truly, truly enjoy this and you want to support us any way possible, head to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash pilotthepilot. Aviation, thank you guys so much. I'm a keep this intro pretty quick let me know if you like it and without further ado here's Michael Healy. Hey Michael thanks for coming on the Pilot to Pilot podcast.
1: Hey Justin how's it going thanks for having me.
0: No problem man I'm glad to have you on the show it's uh it's like you said in your intro it's cool to talk to someone that necessarily is still doing their training and is going to become a CFI and also does some other things for their local community so I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah. Cool man. So uh, first thing I always ask everyone: uh, Why did you get in aviation? Like, what was the main reason behind that?
1: Well, two things actually. Um, I've, I've always loved airplanes, and uh, that reason being, my uh, down in the south we call them uh, pawpaws, But uh, <laughs> uh, my papa, he would—I think uh, he worked for an insurance company—and uh, he would travel, and uh, he used to fly Northwest and from Orlando to Memphis. Back when that was a hub, and he'd come into Monroe, and uh, Monroe's terminal back in the day was just old 1950s. Look and I had a little um, like a uh, restaurant in it and every now and then when he used to come in we used to go into the restaurant for breakfast have ourselves some pancakes and uh, this is right I can't remember if it's post 9-11 or pre 9-11 had to be either four or five so maybe post 9-11 and the TSA wasn't really a big thing yet I know it or it wasn't uh, organized where I'm from. And we used to be able to walk through the security gates, not even board an airplane, and go on to a, it was like a little a, um, a viewing area. And I remember seeing you know, the Northwest Saab 340s. I thought they were the coolest thing ever. People were getting up in it, uh, baggage being loaded up, watching all the ground crew work, and then um, the pilot would uh, start the engines and uh, taxi out, in this the blast, the uh, prop wash just hits you in the face. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So that's,
0: awesome.
1: uh, that's one of the reasons. Second reason, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this and they're going to be like, what, really? When this uh, comes out, I wanted to be something like a film director. Growing oh, cool. up. And uh, my dad's in the uh, advertisement business, uh, multimedia business, and uh, he gave me a camera. Well, I, I had all of these like short films all uh, planned out and uh, ready to go. And the camera he gave me didn't have a video option. <laughs> and uh so no biggie, you know, I was do uh photography. Well, uh I was sitting there, with was a sophomore in high school. And uh sitting there in science class and I'm going I just got Instagram. It was like the the best new thing of uh, social media. Yeah. And, uh I saw this picture of um, a plane. It was, you know, well, you know, HD, good camera took I said, I can do that. So, uh made an Instagram account, went out to the uh airport. Started taking pictures of airplanes and just got in love with it. You know, I was one of those uh, plane spotters. You know, it was I was just a nerd, man, and I was. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: uh, awesome.
1: That's how I did that. And then uh, after about a year, uh, I already had, uh, like most people, I had uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator. had a little joystick. I was messing around, and uh, my mom asked, "Hey, you know, are you interested in flying?" What? Wait, that's a
0: thing? Like I can go. You'll let and
1: me I, do that? Yeah, I was one of those guys. I was like, "Oh, we have to go to the air force and do it." Yeah, but uh, I did a discovery flight, and it was a real bumpy, hot summer day. And uh, so we get up there, and I am enjoying it. You know, it's 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 the best feeling in the world once the uh, wheels came off the ground.
0: Yeah,
1: that yeah, was. It was awesome. That's, but, that's uh, cool
0: because a lot of times the bumps would scare a new a new person up in a small <laughs> airplane. So it's good right? to know that you can take that.
1: <laughs> yep. But uh, uh, we go up and I start getting sick, <laughs> and I had um, I started getting sick, and I told the uh, he was the chief flight instructor. I was like, "Hey man, like <laughs> we got to go back." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, "You know, can I open up the window?" He's like, "No." I was like, "What?" Okay. And that was about to peak. There was no barf bags. No one even thought about
0: it. Oh no, that's not good. So I,
1: so I, I finally couldn't hold it, and I turned my head back and just let it out in the back seat of the airplane.
0: <laughs> I'm sure they weren't too happy with you after that. <laughs> no,
1: they weren't. And the, um, the people who had to clean it up happened to be my coworkers in the future. And so that's, <laughs> that's a <funny>. story. That's, <laughs> so that's a story that's always been, uh I've been told. But uh, that didn't stop me. I began uh, official. Uh, my flight lessons uh April 19th of uh, 2014 nice It was the, the day after my birthday and um, motion sickness kept following me that was i think a big um uh, hurdle to jump over um four five six flights in i just kept on getting sick oh and, wow yeah and i wasn't giving up you know i kept the i had the mentality like i'm going to do this um and my our original instructor he had some um family problems come up and he had to take some time off and i got his buddy his name's uh, Stu Stu's a great guy he uh he said drink a ginger ale all right and uh drink a ginger ale and it uh, worked so uh ever since then you know on a real hot bumpy day well not so much anymore but uh you know i have a ginger ale and i don't get motion sick anymore
0: <laughs> that's awesome so your cure was just to drink ginger ale
1: yeah, I, I don't know what it does. It must react to something in the stomach or what.
0: But. That's funny. So if, any, if, so if you're ever going to be flying for the airlines and you see you drinking a ginger ale, we know it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I'm used to it now, so yeah. uh, I don't do it anymore. <laughs> That's awesome, man.
0: So what was the process like when you were looking for a flight school and your mom said, hey, do you want to be a pilot? Did you go to Google? Did you call around or was it just one flight school in your area and you just called them up, said, hey, I want to fly?
1: Right, there was one flight school, um, and it was attached to uh, an FBO. Okay. And uh, my mom works at a bank; she was a manager at a bank at the time. And uh, somebody suggested, uh, my his name was Charlie Gregory, great greatest flight instructor I ever know, uh, ever knew. Was, well, still none. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we got hooked up with that, and uh, so there was only one flight school. He had a Cessna 172. Uh, S model, SP model actually. And, uh, it was the first 172 with the Caps ballistic parachute. It has the same thing as the Cirrus does. Yeah. Um, so we did that and that's how I got, uh, hooked up with that. Got my, I was still in high school. I was a junior in high school. And, uh, did about a lesson a week. Got my private in January of, uh, 15. And, uh, Started instrument training at Louisiana tech university that summer, which nice. I had no, they were here. Um, the airport that at their base stat was being, re, uh, redone. The runway was being, uh, refurbished. Okay. And there was, you know, I show up to the airport one day, um, where I did my private ass. What the heck is this? I got 15, like one seventy twos lined up. I said, Whoa, 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 whoa. what is this? And, uh, Come to find out, there's a Part 141 Collegiate Aviation Program right down the road.
0: There you go. And this so is at Ruston, right?
1: Yep, Ruston, Louisiana.
0: Yeah, I've landed at Ruston before. I did aerial survey down in Ruston and Monroe area for a couple of days. So I've yeah. been back and forth between both those airports. So I know exactly what you're talking about. That's awesome, man. I, yep. to, I think there's like a huddle house just north of the, the airport there. We went to that to get some food. <laughs> well, yep, <laughs> yeah. it sure is. Yeah. yeah. Uh- yeah that's I got about the best that's,
1: that's a terrible huddle house <laughs> yeah it's,
0: it was pretty bad. It was pretty awful, <laughs> but that's yeah. my uh that's my correlation to Rustin, Rustin <laughs> oh, Louisiana right now well, that's cool, man. so uh you did your private pilot license in part sixty one at Rustin, or did you do it in Monroe?
1: I did it in Monroe okay. the thing about that um, my instructor said, all right, well, you're looking at tech anyway. let's go ahead and do this one forty one
0: so they um, had the option to do a one hundred and forty-one or sixty-one, or they just trained it like it was a one hundred and
1: forty-one. Right, I had the option. Okay. Because uh, they did uh, VA students too on the uh, one hundred and forty-one. Okay, cert. cool. But um, but you know, uh, like the uh, last podcast with file uh, of the things, he was you know talking about how you know one hundred and forty-one structured. Yes, true. But the way we did it, you know, I did my private in forty-five hours. Oh, nice. So we did all of the one hundred and forty-one stuff, but if I needed help. We still had, you know, like no one was, it wasn't that structured. It was, all right, let's go out, Um, you know, do some short field landings, you know, so that that really helped a lot. It wasn't just putting you through the grinder, do this, do this, do this, do this, do the stage check, you know, so forth.
0: So yeah, 141 is uh, is great for a lot of people, especially 17, 18, 19-year-olds who kind of are just figuring out how they learn or what they need to go about and how to become a pilot and how to really like dedicate yourself, but for some people as well, it's not the best and you need kind of less structure and more fun and kind of to break things up. So it's cool that there are some 141 schools out there that necessarily aren't tied to a university and have the flexibility to offer that. Because I know that's not true at a lot of schools. A lot of schools Mm -hmm. just say, if you can't keep up, you can't be a pilot. But that's not true.
1: Right. Everybody has their own pace.
0: Right. Everyone has their own pace. If you're out there right now at a 141 school and can't seem to keep up, uh, I mean, maybe it's time to look at a different school. I mean, there's still options and opportunities for you to be a pilot. So don't give up.
1: Right, and and I, I kind of wanted to touch on that too, because there's a big mentality here at tech where it's like, oh, Part 141's better than Part 61, and I like to like disagree with that. It's like you know we we all have to meet the same standards on on a check ride, and at the end of the day, you know, especially regional airlines, they really, I mean, they're hiring anybody right now, right. And everyone's like, Oh, I'm part One Forty, you. want to have a better chance at an airline job. It's like, no, you don't, you don't have to have a four year degree to go to a, a um, regional carrier.
0: Right. Yeah, and, no, there's, there's no really, the only plus is that you can get in at what a thousand hours or 1200 uh, hours now that's it. But other than that, I mean, essentially your training's the same. You might be able to get, you actually save money going to part 61 school and you'll end up at the same place at the same time. Pretty much.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, um, Back to what you said, you know, you, you are right. You know, like there's 141 schools where there's training every day or you like it's always a training flight. And, and like take time out, you know, go rent, go rent an airplane, you know, bring your friends, go have lunch, go, you know, go do dinner somewhere cool. You know, go have fun with it. You know, you're a pilot for a reason. You know, go experience all these places instead of having to you know, be constantly tested and learning and training, you know. Go have fun
0: with it. Definitely, I couldn't agree more. That was one of the reasons why I didn't become a CFI is just because I didn't think that the C- the type of CFI fly- the I didn't think the type of CFI flying was going to be fun. I didn't think it was going to be not necessarily beneficial because obviously being a CFI is very beneficial. You know everything all the time, which is great. But I chose aerial survey, and one of the reasons why I chose aerial survey is because it's going to prepare me for what I'm going to do in the future. I got I had like 300 hours as flying a Cessna 310 across the country. I needed to learn how to talk to the line service. I needed to learn how to talk and get a hotel, how to get a rent-a-car or a crew car. And this it got me used to everyday life out on the road. And this way, as I keep progressing in my career, I won't have any kind of, well, I mean, I still will. But I won't have as many kind of like questionable moments like, all right, wait, what do I do now? It's like I've pretty much seen everything that I can possibly see in a short <laughs> amount of time. Yeah. So yeah. that's one of the reasons why I chose Aerial Survey. And then also going a freight – I've realized aerial survey flying in the most beautiful weather. Obviously, we had some high wind days, but other than that, we never flew in or, in or around any thunderstorms. So I figured if I wanted to try to maybe skip the regionals and I needed to get some IFR flying under my belt. So that's why I joined a single pilot IFR uh, operation.
1: And that's, that's, that's good. Uh, good uh, experience too.
0: Oh my I gosh. Bet. Yeah. We can talk later about that more in the podcast, but yeah, that's a, uh, you definitely learn a lot about yourself, a lot about flying, a lot about weather, airplanes, everything. You're just kind of, thrown into the mix and yeah to make it work.
1: Yeah, yep, um that's exactly true. <laughs> oh,
0: so what was your favorite part of your training your private pilot? What was uh did you like the maneuvers? I know you said you had issues with motion sickness, but after that was kind of fixed and solved. What did you like most about the private? Was it still the newness of just flying or was it just you just liked um maybe figuring out how to land or steep turns or whatever?
1: Yeah, my favorite thing I would say was Steer in private. Um, there really wasn't any restrictions on airports uh, to go to. Because um, at Tech, you know, you have all the ones where it's kind of like, all right, you know, we'd much rather you go here instead of there just because the tower is used to all the uh, student pilots and stuff. Right. But uh, I went to Greenwood, Mississippi. And uh, the reason how I did this, I looked on Google Maps. Mm-hmm. And there was an airplane graveyard there. A scrap. <laughs> And uh, it gets all the Asian airlines. I think what uh, was all there, like China Eastern, uh, Air China. They had all their A340s there. They had a couple 747s. Wow! And I landed in a little Skyhawk, and I parked next to this big old 747. I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah. <laughs> and just being that new student pilot, you know, and also being you know the the uh, aviation geek at the time, man, I was just in awe. And I think that was, that was just the coolest thing ever is being to walk under all these planes that, you know, like, no really, no regular person can because they they don't really have
0: access to it,
1: you know, unless you're like a museum. But just walking under the 747, seeing how big it is, was just best the best best feeling ever
0: i got to do that and where was it it was in roswell new mexico if you ever get the chance to go there roswell new mexico is a huge airplane graveyard and they just have planes of all kinds and all types like 747s like you said they have 350 three, not 350s hopefully 340s like you said just pretty much every plane you can imagine so it was really cool to see that and it's just It's kind of sad at the same time. Like It's cool to see all these great airplanes, but you know that they're probably never going to fly again until some low-cost carrier or Allegiant wants to pick them up and fly (laughs) and have some uh, maintenance issues. But they usually don't fly anymore, and it's sad, but it's cool to go out there and see all the planes. And They also used it as a strip yard, so they would strip it for parts, and then they would also have older American Airlines paint job, and they would be converting it to the new American Airlines paint job. So there's a lot going on there.
1: That's pretty cool, yeah, but like you're, you're right. It's, it's sad to see it, but you know that all this new technology is coming out and it's being, um, uh, replaced.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's sad. What was your least favorite part about training and private pilot? What did you not like about it most? Was it just kind of figuring out how to study? Cause I know that's hard for a lot of people is figuring out how much time you actually needed to devote to learning the material.
1: Now I was exactly going to say that. That's, that's what it was. I actually, <laughs> I had to be grounded. Um, you know, I was take I was studying in the book, studying for, uh flying, but I wasn't studying for the written. Yep. And my CFI is like, all right, look, man, you have twenty you have twenty, twenty three hours, like it's time that you do your written. And um so I was grounded for about a month and a half, maybe two months, and I got I got the written knocked out. So that kinda lit a fire under my butt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do to study for your written? Did you use Shepherd Air or did you study with the books?
1: Uh they have the Glime software on the computer. Gotcha. And it was uh, up the uh, second floor of the FBO. I go up there after school every day. Nice. An hour well,
0: if you ever need to study for any other written, I would highly advise you to use Shepard Air. Whether it's yeah. your, like FOI, FOA, or anything you need to do for CFI, use Shepard Air 100%. It is the, the greatest software you'll ever purchase.
1: And that's what the, I'm using now. That's okay. what I've been using since um, uh, instrument training.
0: Cool. So, so good. And you 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 learn fast. I think for your private pilot checkride, <laughs> I think it's good for someone to actually not use Shepherd Air because I think it's important for you to learn the material, learn the basics. But then when you get closer to like instrument, commercial, ATP or anything, like or CFI, there's just so much stuff. And it might just be good for you to kind of memorize those questions and get that bank and just pass, but then also supplement that knowledge with actually studying what you need to know. Because, I mean, there's so many things that they ask on you that you're never, ever going to see again. So it's not necessarily important for you to know everything that's going to be on that test, but it is important for you to get the best grade you can possibly get. And that's why Shepard Air can help.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh you're right about the uh, private pilot check, right? Like that, that's your initial step into flying so like sh- you know going using like a, a program like Shepard Air like memorizing the questions isn't really the best and uh, I should have and actually you know I was gonna uh, incorporate this somehow but uh, a private pilot check ride was a rough one
0: oh really I was gonna be my next question how are your check rides?
1: <laughs> yeah well uh, so I did my check ride I was I, I was ready for it yeah all my maneuvers were squared away. My landings were A1 and my ground knowledge was good. Um, It was down in Lafayette, Louisiana and the DPE um, I heard, you know, he, he was a, what's a good word for it? A little uh, strict, I guess. And it was either that or someone else who doesn't really do uh, check rides to a standard. (laughs) Mm, I went with the guy in Lafayette and uh, went down there. Instagram. I think I only missed one or two questions. I think the big one was uh, 91, 213. I think uh, like, what do you do for a, um, a broken nav light? Okay. I I just mind you know, had a mind fart. Yeah. But uh, got got into the airplane first time at the airport, and I was nervous. This defense, <laughs> you know, he got in, put his sunglasses on, had his arms crossed the entire flight, and wow. it was the most intimidating feeling ever. And, uh, so started, started taxiing out, almost went on to the wrong taxiway. He was like, <laughs> he was like, where are you going, boy? I was like, oh crap. Um, oh geez. So started taxiing out, uh, got to the run-up pad. <laughs> I, I was, I, I'm not going to lie. I had tunnel vision. I was like, oh God, like this is like, he's part of the FAA. Like, what if I like, mess up big time? Oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, did the run-up. Started taxiing again. This should make me sound like I'm a terrible pilot, which no, I'm not. <laughs> no.
0: We all, we all know, yeah.
1: Started taxiing, and it was, an <laughs> it was an intersection. He's like, did you ask for an intersection clear, uh, takeoff, boy? I said, no, sir. Well, then he used the whole run with us. Oh, crap. <laughs> so it was yeah. only like 200 feet left. Uh, so took off. It was a real windy day. And uh, Lafayette, Louisiana is kind of surrounded by fields, and they always had something burning. A big old pile of smoke came out on the way to um, Abbeville Airport to do uh, our landings, and I f- and I flew through that. We were all coughing. It was still VFR, but I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, I, I should have went around this. Yeah. Um. Got to Abbeville. I, was, I don't know why I did this. I was using an iPad for the first time
0: uh-huh.
1: since at least twenty something hours, and I forgot that the runways on the iPad on on a the fourth flight they're not aligned. Like, I think I was like north oriented or something. Some type of orientation on the iPad, uh, was wrong. Interesting. And he entered a traffic pattern, happened to be the wrong runway. Nobody was there. And I looked to my left and I see this twin Comanche. He called final for runway. I think it's a one four. And I looked down, I'm like, oh, crap. So I turned midfield, uh, entered the traffic pattern. I don't know how the DP did, did not, did not fail me.
0: Like, huh, that's crazy.
1: I, but after we landed, he goes, all right, you know, that was your only hiccup. And honestly, um, you know, I've, I've seen one or two people do that, but you, they, they failed because they didn't do, uh, the correct procedure for it. Um, what you did was perfect. You know, you told where you were, you messed up, you're crossing midfield. Um, and it was, it was a safe way to do it. So he said that, that, that's why he didn't fail me on it. And he, he said, you know, take it as a learning experience. You know, if you're not familiar with your iPad or EFB, don't use it.
0: Yep, that's a, that's a definitely a good, uh, good recommendation. And it's good to know that he, maybe he gave off this like tough bravado that he was like a big tough guy and that he, if he did one thing wrong, he was going to fail. But it's really good to know that he actually let you kind of, Learn from your mistake and see and gave you a chance to to correct it before he just started saying you're failing or you failed this or blah, blah, blah. So that's really encouraging to see because when you first started telling the story, I thought for sure it was going to be the type of guy that's just like, all right, well, I didn't like that you did this, this, and this, and this. So you failed. And it's like, well, dude, why? Like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Know? So that's encouraging to know that he, he kind of lets you figure it out because a lot, some D, DPEs don't let you figure it out and it's, and it's a shame.
1: We have uh, a DP here and um, he will butcher you. Like, he will drill you. Uh, I know uh, my, my program, they send or you have the option to go to um, American Flyers mm-hmm. to do your CFI and it's a, you know, they throw you in there for 15 days. And what I get uh, feedback from it is like it does not prepare you at all for yeah. CFI. You have to go back home and do a, a lot of self study.
0: Well, that's not fun but, uh,
1: if you and so i didn't know this since like last year but like the physical assigns you a DPE for your uh, cfi initial yeah and um if you get him i'm not gonna slip a name <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, if you get him for a check ride and if he finds out you went to american flyers he will go the full you know eight hour ground the full two and a half hour three hour flight and he will make sure that you know it
0: like all of it that's crazy so, yeah,
1: but there, there are a few DPs here that are real laid back, relaxed. They know that you're nervous. Right. And, you know, and they kind of they really help you through it, but they kind of calm you down.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's what DPs need to be. They need to kind of just let you know, like, hey, like you're the, the PIC. This is your flight. Like, just treat it like a normal flight. Like, you have done the maneuvers before. You Your flight instructor would not have signed you off unless he knows you're ready. So, just go ahead and fly the flight. Like, don't be nervous. You can do this.
1: Right. And uh other than that the rest of my check rides have gone smooth. I mean no big hiccups like the <laughs> like the one on my uh private yeah. uh, instrument uh I did it uh locally. Uh we have a DP that comes up for a solid week. He does two check rides a day. Pro- probably makes what $7,000. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> uh, a week. And uh so he came up here and my buddy at the time he now works uh DFW ground and tower. Um, he was a uh, supervisor for uh window tower and I asked him, Hey man, you know, I'm doing my instrument check, right? You know, I, I'd love to have you up there in the, uh, tower when I get there. So, you know, um, him up there really, you know, calmed me down even more, you know, and with the DP in the right seat, it felt like a, a training flight. You know, That's I was good. just, you know, like I know what to do. I'm just showing him how to do it.
0: Right. You said most of your check the other check rides went well. What about the training? Did you have any struggles in training at all? Did you really like instrument or commercial? Or was it pretty much just the same from private? You just pretty much liked it all?
1: Uh, instrument stage two on the approaches. That one was tough. And it wasn't the flying part. It was the, okay, I started college part. Um, I started college in summer program. And fall quarter came around. Uh, I was working my FBO job. I rushed a fraternity and I was doing my flight training and the job was 38 hours. You know, they kept you where it was right under full time. Um, you know, go to, go to class at 8am, get out at 12, go to work at one, come back at nine or 10 o'clock at night. And sometimes we do a SIM that, uh, that late. And it's being run down and tired. It, 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 I, I should have dedicated more time to flying. I think if I, would have you know maybe quit that job and found a job closer to home maybe uh less hours and uh school itself was a good uh distraction too, but I waste a lot of money sitting there in the simulator, just tired and worn out, trying to fuck and approach,
0: yeah definitely I mean especially That's when right. you're first learning instrument flying like you need to be well rested, you need to be on your game because there's so much to learn i mean instrument is kind of like a um it's just it's very um, intimidating at first because there's just so much information in these books that you have to study that you have to know. But once it just clicks, you'll get it. So like yeah. you were saying, it's like you wasted a bunch of money because you were tired every single time you probably were kept. You couldn't really grasp every single detail that you needed until you finally made sure that you made flying number one and you made sure that you were going after it with everything you had. And I'm not saying you didn't before because obviously you're, you were working like crazy. But just when you're able to dedicate more time to flying, it's probably when everything started clicking more.
1: Right, and, and um uh, it certainly did. Uh after the whole uh fraternity thing was done, I got uh, initiated and so no more, you know, bi- uh busy busy uh work there. You know, I it it clicked. You know, I wasn't so tired anymore. I went to my Sims, you know uh well, well well uh rested and uh it clicked finally. And uh got that done, got my cross countries done and uh took the check right for it.
0: So how do you recommend a current college student who is just getting into flying to find the balance between enjoying his college life and flying at the same time? What would you recommend for someone like that?
1: Oh, it's a big one. I guess, um, every college is different, um, in a sense, and your program could be different. But, uh, if I had to go back and do it, I probably, if there was a way I would work less hours, um, Unless, you know, you're not being uh, unless you don't have any money, you know, right. then, of course, you know, work. Um, but, you know, I would have drawn back some hours on my on my job um, being in a fraternity. I don't know. I got mixed, mixed opinions on it. And that I, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, maybe may or not do that. Maybe just, you know, focus, you know a lot of your time on flying because that's what you're there, you're there to do. Yeah. You're there to have fun every now and then, you know, but don't go out and drink every weekend, you know, that, and and that tears a lot of people apart and that I've seen that a lot here being in the um, college program, you get a lot of these kids who come in for the first time and they're off the, they're off their leash from their family, their parents, and you know, they drink, they get into drugs They, you know, making C's and D's and then finally they just flunk out. And it's like, come on, man.
0: Like, why? (laughs) Right. You just threw, you pretty much are throwing away your life.
1: Yeah. So, you know, go into college, you know, keep your goals high, keep your dreams, you know, right, right in front of you. You know, don't go out and party like every weekend, you know, just take your time, study, stay at home, uh, chair fly, you know, just keep, keep your goals aligned.
0: Definitely, that's good advice. And going back to the fraternity or sorority thing, I know, at, I don't know if you had this at Louisiana Tech, but at some bigger schools like Ohio State, what I went to, they actually have an aviation fraternity and they also have aviation clubs and groups. So if you really want to get involved, go join one of those because it's important to surround yourself with people that have the same goals that you do. So they will push you to continue to your, your training. Or maybe you'll be encouraged by seeing John go get all of his ratings in a year and you're still in your private and it's taking you two years. So maybe he can encourage you to study harder. It's important to surround yourself with people that have the same goals that you do that will help motivate and encourage you to do that rather than maybe go to a different fraternity where the emphasis is more on partying and just having fun. Because you can still have fun in college and still get – Pretty much get your stuff done. So exactly, exactly. Like
1: we uh, we have a flight team, Alpha Eta Row. I think we have. Yeah, we have uh, a women in aviation, and we got uh, aviation management uh, society.
0: Cool. So yeah, you you got a lot.
1: Yeah, and I did uh, Alpha Eta Row this past year, and I did uh, flight team my freshman year. Cool. So, yeah, they're both excellent programs to get involved. So.
0: Nice man. So right now you're currently training for your CFI. You said.
1: Yep. Well, How I'm do you, just doing the right now. you just I do really, Yeah, I haven't really cracked open the books yet.
0: So. Have you started flying in the right seat at all? Uh,
1: not really. Yeah. I know the only time I have right seats in, uh, uh, in King Airs, and that's just tagging along flights, but I haven't even landed a plane in the right seat yet.
0: Oh man, yeah, it's always fun your first one. Your first one will probably be good just because with beginner's luck. But the next one, <laughs> it's just you can't. I always can't seem to get the rudder. Like I can't seem to be perfectly on my landings, and I land kind of all screwed up. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good look out for that. Tell me about how you you said you got can fly at King Air and the as an SIC. How'd you get that job?
1: Well, it wasn't really an SIC. I was just flying um, uh, along, and uh, so freshman year, that sophomore correction, that uh, summary I came into college, I got a job at an FBO that I did the um I did my uh private at. Um and I was, you know, filling in applications and I was like sixteen, seventeen, not knowing that you had to be eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> so uh I finally got that dream job and that opened up so many doors and I cannot emphasize enough to anybody who's like in high school still or still in college, get that first aviation job. Yeah. That is your foot in the door. For sure. Uh-huh. And then
0: not only just get it, but to be a good person and talk to people and go exactly. maybe get at, step out of your comfort zone and like say hi to people and make sure you are leaving an impression on them because I'm sure it's going to come out where someone asked you, hey, man, I know you're a pilot. Do you want to come fly with me? And that exactly. only happens when you step out of your comfort zone and you don't just go there just to collect a paycheck. Go there, get to know the people, make sure that people like you so then they can help you out in the future.
1: Yep, exactly. Now, um, you know, and I started my job. Uh, everybody kind of knew me there. Uh, I was, I found this out that I was my my nickname was the kid behind the fence. <laughs> um, back when I was in high school, you know, I had I had the camera. I was doing all the uh, plain spot, and, and um, that's what they called me, kid behind the fence. <laughs>
0: that's hilarious.
1: Um, so, you know, I guess it could
0: the, be worse, right? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, it could be really worse.
1: <laughs> but uh, started the job, you know. Fueling up all these big planes. We did uh, the uh, contract fuel with the military and all uh, the uh, regional airlines too. So uh, was really enjoying that. Um, got to meet Nick Saban. Oh, nice uh, Alabama, who I'm not a big fan of. I would say go Buckeyes. <laughs> um, I'm 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 uh, a LSU guy. So yeah, I figured. Got to meet him uh, when I first started. You know, I, I'm big. Like military buff. I, I just love talking about it. I got so many friends in the military. Kind of wish I, I would have done it. And it's kind of still in, in my options if I do want to do it. But, uh, Marcus Latrell, the guy from, uh, Bone Survivor. That's awesome. He, he came in on the day that I was off.
0: No, that stinks.
1: So mad. But, uh, he came know, to talk
0: team. to our team at Ohio State when I was there. That's awesome. Yeah, he was one of the coolest dudes. If anyone knows, doesn't know what we're talking about, he, um, has a crazy story. Check out the book Lone Survivor and just read it. If you're not in the military, trust me, you'll like this story. It's a story for everyone, but it's just a it's a crazy story and he's got just he's just a great dude that's faced a ton of adversity and we can all learn from him.
1: Yeah. But uh you know I've seen Ted Cruz and all the it was it was a good job. And then uh I got more in touch with all the charter pilots that were there. We had uh whew, at the time, I think Three King Ears of Baron and uh that was it they added a beach jet or uh, a next but uh i wish i would have get the right on that but uh, that was a uh, 2 pot operation yep. but you know i got invited to go on a baron trip one day and that's what kicked it off they're like oh, you know keely you know hey you're an instrument training you know, come on with us you know we'll teach you
0: yeah that's the best way to learn too is getting kind of thrown into it and seeing someone uh, else do it and see how how it all works out
1: Yep. And so I got the Barron trip and then I got asked to go on a King Air trip to Gulf Shores. And I thought I was like the man. You know, I was like, oh my God, I'm in a King Air. Oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, and after that, you know, they were like, hey, if we have you know, open seat, ask us. We'll put you in the cockpit. You know, and I was working radios uh, on the 91 flight. Sherlock so let me mess with the, um, the uh, FMS a little bit and stuff like that. So, and, and that's where I got, a big picture of commercial flying and instrument flying, seeing all these different types of pilots and their own aspects and their own personal touches and stuff. Like, you know, we were coming back from new Orleans one day and there's a storm coming in the Monroe and, you know, and we, you know, the pilot asked me, Hey, what should we do? <laughs> and of course, you know, he was making his up, his, his own mind. He was asking me in a, uh, in a uh, scenario way. Yeah. Well, you know, if this was me, you know, and we, we got some, uh, fuel in New Orleans just in case if we had to, uh, divert. I was like, hey, you know, pull the throttles back. You know, uh, we don't have passengers on board. Take our time. If we can't beat it, we can't beat it. So yeah, so that's exactly what we did. But, you know, um, we got in safely and, uh, you know, just things like that just really opened up my mind, uh, Flying and you know, I used to be a corporate guy, like, all I wanted to do was fly corporate. This is right when the airlines just started paying a little bit better, yeah. To, so, but that that really did spark my interest.
0: So, so, you said you're all about corporate, but now you are a um, a camp. What are you for Republic Airlines? I can't remember right off the top of my head. Well,
1: I'm, I'm two things I'm in the uh, cadet program, they okay. have. Kind, of, kind of like the college flow program, okay. and then I'm also, I just got back from Indianapolis yesterday. I'm a uh, Campus ambassador.
0: Cool. So why don't you talk a little bit about those two things?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so a lot of uh regional airlines they're doing, you know, get your instrument rating and uh, interview. And I just got my instrument rating and my buddy Matt Medlin, uh, shout out to him. He is he just got hired on with Republic when I got my instrument. He goes, Hey, like do like go to the interview, try it out. All right, I'll do it. Uh did the interview. Um the way the Republic interview works. They asked you a few ATP questions, and they did an HR portion and kind of like a little logbook overview. Yeah. And if you pass, you pass, and you're in there. Uh, it's that's pretty much the first officer interview. Oh, cool. And I thought I was, you know, the coolest guy at the time. It was me and four other <laughs> guys, and you know, here we are with the conditional job offer to fly right C in E jet. That's so cool. I'm going now. But, um, and the way it works, you know, they call you, they follow up with you. They're so great. These, I was thinking, you know, like they were just going, you know, oh, you know, and like feed us some BS and stuff. They are the most honest and the most realest people I've ever known.
0: That's good. Um, I,
1: there's other airlines, you know, I'm not going to name them. I'm not, I'm not that guy, but, you know, they, they straight up lied to my face. Yep. You know, stuff like, you know, like reserve time and upgrade time and stuff like that. And, and, and Republic, they're they're, brutally honest.
0: That's good. Are. That's what we need so, in this industry because there's no there's no way around it. I mean, hey, you're yeah. going to find out the truth eventually anyway, so why not know what you know exactly. before you get into the job?
1: Yeah, and the,
0: I was up there for 3 or uh
1: 3 days up in Indy. Uh and uh, you know, and the way they told us to recruit, you know, they're like, "Yeah, you know, tell em, tell them about them. Tell us about that. Tell them ab- about us." Sorry. But, you know, find out what they want. You know find out what interests them don't be like cramming all of our information down their throats because people get really turned off by that it's like all right they're just you know pitching it to me you know go in depth find out what they want and you know if if they don't like us oh well you know like republic isn't for everybody and that's what the pilot said the hr people said all the recruiters said you know tell them you know straight up you know cool, you know, go find what you want to do. Go find what's best for you. Sorry if you can't come to us, you know, but, you know, just live your life. So, right. And, and you know, and they took us out, you know, they, it, it was just a good time. And and they, it seems like they really care for their pilots. That's so. good.
0: That's good to hear because, I mean, obviously regionals get a really bad rep. We get a really bad rap, and I mean, a lot of times it's not necessarily warranted. It's just a bunch of guys that kind of got jaded toward the end. Maybe they thought they deserved more money because you know all pilots think that they deserve to be paid a ton of money, myself included. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: mean, well, it's got to be you know, and I'll tell people this. Okay, yeah, pay's good, but I go into all of the boring stuff. You know, what's the four hundred and one k? Do y'all match? Yeah. You know, to how much? Okay. Quality of life. You know, like, do y'all have, I think it's, uh, junior manning. And I didn't know what this was. It was pretty cool. Some regional airlines and airlines can call the most junior person up and be like, Hey, you're flying tomorrow. Pack your bags. We don't do that. Yeah. You know, there's, and, uh, I have a list of stuff that we don't do, but it's, it's, uh, it's in the backpack. But, you know, <laughs> I go, but it's just if, honestly, if I was looking at going to an airline, I'd highly consider Republic if I was in anyone. Um,
0: Elsa shoes one of my good buddies who I I flew with here he actually just signed with with Republic Airlines and he was telling me too about Junior Manning I had no idea what this was either and like you said they can call you anytime it doesn't matter if you're on vacation or what like they call you you're expected to go fly if you don't fly then that's a bad mark on you and it counts toward like one of your three strikes which you could be in Costa Rica on a beach and they'd be like "All right, we need you to fly be like uh no (laughs) don't know how I can get there
1: and that's one of the things that, uh, through our, oh gosh, I forget what type of bankruptcy it was. It wasn't a financial bankruptcy. It was a reconstruction thing,
0: right. Uh, bankruptcy.
1: Right. And what they did, they merged, uh, shuttle with Republic. Gotcha. And they made what is now the, uh, Republic airline. And through all of that, you know, they sat down with the pilots, you know, hey, what do you guys want? You know, they're like, all right, you know, no more junior Manning, no more this, no more that, no more, you know. And so they made a pilot-friendly atmosphere. And one thing that I really love, uh, Republic got together with um, some guys, and they made an app. And it's uh, a crew life app. And it and it gives you, you know, what are you flying? Who are you flying with? You know, um, hotels, hotel numbers, uh, and like uh, travel information. And there was a forum on there you can pick and add and uh, exchange trips with people. So instead of having to, you know, call everybody up, hey, you have this open, or hey, can I switch with this? You can do it from there. So they cool. they really key in to what the pilots want there, and that's that's the big thing that you know I I like to talk about because airlines, most of them are just there to make money, and yes, they're, they're there to make money, but you know, there's airlines that the pilots just get crapped on, right? At an airline out, out west, and he, he just does not enjoy it at at all. And I'm like, well, why are you there? You know, he goes, like, well, you know, it's, 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 it's just bad.
0: Yep. So. Yeah, like you said earlier, different airlines work for different people. So what might work for someone somewhere else might not work for another person. So it's definitely good to keep your options open and look and find what the best fit is for you, even if it might mean a little bit less money. Because if you're making an extra grand, that's not going to make up for your quality of life or your sanity necessarily. So make sure you look, do all your research. Right. And uh, talking a little bit about that program, are you tied to Republic then? Like, can you still choose to go somewhere else if you want to, or do you have to fly with Republic?
1: Exactly. And that's uh, one other thing. There's some programs like that where it's, all right, here's a contract, sign it, you're coming to us. At Republic, once you do the, uh, it's called the uh, R-Jet Cadet Program, it is, you can free, you're free to go as you like. There's no commitment to the airline, anything. So... Cool. Uh, there's also kind of as uh, incentive packages. Every, I can't remember the exact hour amount, but every couple hundred hours, they'll send you, you know, a um, a pullover, a backpack and just all this stuff. And at 800 hours, I think at 800 hours, they'll send you uh, cockpit posters for you to start doing all, all your uh, flows on and stuff. Cool.
0: So, yeah. That's cool, man. All right, Mike, did you do anything else in the aviation industry? I know you said you kind of uh, got some charter jobs. You kind of were able to fly or you did some line service and did some other stuff there. What else did you have to do with your uh, kind of your commercial life?
1: Yeah, well, uh, our FBO got bought out by a company. And after about a month and a half, I just was not happy with it. Uh, it's the way they were doing things. So I left. Uh, I was out of the aviation industry job market for about a month and a half and it killed me. Um like, I loved what I did. And uh, so I, we had a bowl, not a bowl game, a championship conference game come up. It was between Tech and Bowling Green, uh, Kentucky. And I asked my boss at the time, he's a big alum for the uh, university, or my old boss at the time. And I said, hey, you know, jokingly, I said, hey, you wouldn't happen to have any like sideline passes to the game, would you? And he was, and he, called back. He was like, actually, I can actually get you some. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and awesome. uh, so he got me sideline passes, and he called me back. He says, hey, what are you doing right now? I go, I'm driving to Shreveport. He goes, no. Job-wise? I go, nothing. He goes, well, do you want to come back and work with us? He said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after the, after the uh, championship game, uh, which was actually Best flight I ever had uh, real quick. We are coming into Memphis. Um, it was in the middle of December, and the freezing level was, you know, a couple thousand feet above us, um, Light, the moderate rain, in and out of the clouds, and the Cessna 172 as a freshly instrument-rated pilot. Yikes. Yeah, and, and this is where, you know, I was like, wow, this is awesome. You know, this is awesome, <laughs> And uh, came into Memphis with a 15 knot crosswind, like right at our limit. And uh, light to moderate uh, rain and uh, turbulence. And we broke out like 500 feet. And I was like, this this is cool. <laughs> this, this is what it's what I'm... all about. But uh, after that trip, uh, I got the job as uh, charter sales. And this was new to me. I didn't really know what to do and how to do it. But I was pretty much, I was um, quoting trips, uh, talking to brokers and uh, talking to customers, you know, about flying with us and it was a whole new world man like you know what's what happens on the line is one thing but what happens in the offices is different and uh i got to learn a lot about myself in the uh 135 world i learned a lot of rules and regulations uh you know like duty times and minimums and all this other stuff because i had to not really assigned pilots, but all right, can so and so fly this flight? of so and so is out in New York flying here, but so and so just got back from a flight. He has to have, I think, ten hours. Is is that yeah, what it is?
0: It's ten hours of rest.
1: And then like another guy's flying this. Holy crap! This is not going to work. <laughs> you know, I was doing that and um, did that for five months. And in the in the middle of that, I got the opportunity to go to n uh, b w s Schedulers and Dispatchers, which is a big old 135 charter convention and it was held in fort worth and uh so me and the boss who was a uh tech alum there's a lot of tech alums here (laughs) (laughs) uh drove out to fort worth got the hotel and the next day we're out there hitting the show floor you know pitching the company like hey my name's mike so-and-so you know and at, at the time i'm not i'm 19 years old that's awesome I was the youngest one there.
0: <laughs> you have all these people like,
1: man, you're pretty young. How old are you? 19, sir. What? Yeah. Man, they're, everyone's like so amazed at this 19-year-old pitching these thousands of dollars worth of trips and like contracts. All
0: right, man. Well, cool. I have some, um, some rapid fire questions for you if you're ready for those. All right, let's do it. Cool, man. The first one is going to be, what is your least favorite plane to fuel while working line service?
1: Ooh, least favorite plane. All right. We had FedEx. It was the Sesta uh, caravans.
0: <laughs> I knew you. I figured you were going to say this. Because <laughs> I <laughs> and, fly caravans too, so I know they suck the fuel.
1: Yeah, and we were up there. I worked a few morning shifts, and they used to come in at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. And they came in one morning. It was wet. It was it was gusting to 15, 20. It was dark outside, and, and it was raining. And being up on that eight-foot ladder – like, I'm scared of heights. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. being, up on that, being up on that ladder really freaked me out. And I did not like
0: that at all. That's funny. Yeah, no, it's not fun. No. We've but, had uh, uh, I've had people fall on me when I was when I was flying a caravan, like I go turn around and go look at something, and all of a sudden I hear 'em just fall on the ground and it was the ladder starts wobbling. They wanted me to go check the gauges and then they came back I come back and they're sitting on the ground. That's happened at least two or three times. <laughs> so caravans love- are not fun to fuel. The new ones have single point, but the other ones didn't. Oh man, that's
1: cool. Yeah, uh but the uh forgot to tell you the P two Neptune is an overwing uh aircraft. I mean it's it's huge. They have a rope that they take from the cockpit door and they hoist the uh, fuel nozzle up on the overwing and (laughs) the, uh, and the uh, pilots feel it.
0: That's crazy. (laughs) That's awesome. All right, here, let's get some, get into some other ones. What's the favorite, what's your favorite plane you've ever flown?
1: Favorite plane I've ever flown. My buddy had a Citabria. I got to sit in the back of that. And that was, uh, that was, that was pretty neat. And uh, if I had to buy an airplane, I'd probably get some sort of tail dragger.
0: What's your dream plan that you'd have always wanted to fly?
1: I always wanted to fly. See, everybody says this, but the Pilatus. Yeah. Like, it's it's such a, a big utility aircraft.
0: Yeah, you can do a lot in that bad boy. I know from yeah. experience.
1: <laughs> right. And right now, my goal is that um, when I hit 500 hours, maybe even a, some more, is to go to some place like plane center somewhere and just to build my time there.
0: Yeah. It's not a bad place to go. I talked with uh, Justin Zeller earlier in the podcast and he did a lot with plane So he knew a lot about that. And he said he had a good time flying those PC twelves around. And I think yeah. they're getting PC 24s too. So you have the option to get some jet yep. time too. Eventually.
1: Yep. I think they're the launch customer. So yeah. That cool. Could be
0: wrong. What's your favorite airline livery?
1: Whew, man, Southwest Airlines the uh, I think they call it the Mustard Paint, okay. the Mustard Paint job, cuz that's what I fl- I flew on out of uh, Jackson Mississippi to uh, Sarasota and uh, Orlando.
0: Okay, gotcha. And that makes I sense. I love that airline. Airbus or Boeing?
1: Uh, see. Some people are like, "Oh my god, Boeing but it's American made." Uh, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Yeah. In my case, like if I'm getting paid to fly it,
0: who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Would you rather fly over mountains, beaches, city, or the ocean?
1: Let's see. I'm terrified of ditching in the water. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd probably fly along the beach, but the beaches can be busy too.
0: Yeah, they but, can. Um, That's awesome. Um, let's see. What is your favorite flight you've ever had?
1: Favorite flight I ever had. All right, I did my 250 nautical mile solo cross country. I did it to Gulf Shores, Alabama, and I did it at night in IMC by myself, first time solo in a Cessna Skyhawk, and I really learned about myself on, a, on that on that trip. Yeah, um, that's when all the training kicked in. Nobody was there to teach you to guide you. I didn't have a um, autopilot at the time, and uh, it was old analog gauges, and that that was an awesome flight.
0: That's good. Yeah, it's good to go. Old school every once in a while. All right, here's another one. It's kind of similar to Airbus or Boeing, but do you have a favorite between CRJ or ERJ?
1: You see, I'm going to have to go with ERJ. Yeah. Because, but not the 145 or the 130 or the 145 or the yeah. one, whatever they are. The 170, it is an amazing airplane. Yeah. It, it. I've gotten to ride on two of them in the back and it feels like I'm flying on a main line.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're not bad airplanes. It's so spacious.
1: Yeah. Well, I... I took a CRJ to uh, Atlanta uh, coming back and forth from Indy and I was just so, I mean, I'm a fairly bigger guy, but you know, I was just so uncomfortable in them.
0: I took a CRJ 900 from Detroit to Houston, Texas. And that was one of the longest flights of my life. So I know what you mean. I'm not like, I'm six foot two. So I'm tall, but I'm not like crazy tall, but like I was still kind of, wedged in there didn't have much room to move and we actually yeah. had to divert because of thunderstorm so it was a it was a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's uh what's something you wish you knew before you became a pilot?
1: Uh I kinda of wish I knew about more of um the opportunities for flight training. Uh I know we looked at places like uh FIT in Florida, Embry Riddle, didn't really look at ATP. But I kind of wish I focused more time on finding the right flight school, cause uh, I love I love tech and all, but I feel like if I feel like maybe if I went to some school and dedicated uh, 100% to flying for like a year and a half, and then like an online bachelor's degree, I don't know. But like I second guess myself. But like I love it here though.
0: No, so, I know what you mean. I mean there's so many like. You do yourself a disservice if you don't look at all the flight schools because there might be a better option for you than where you are right now. It's kind of what I talked with Colin, fly all the things, is he recognized that he needs to go to Florida, to get all his training done, that he needs to step away. He needs to go somewhere else. He needs to get all his training done as fast as possible and then come back and teach people how to fly. So there right. are so many flight schools that you can look at these days. And like you said, Florida, Arizona even texas like there's so many california there's so many great places to learn how to fly they have great weather all the time so go take advantage of that and go ahead and get your stuff done as fast as possible
1: exactly yeah
0: yep here's one who in the industry would you like to meet most
1: who in the industry would i
0: like to meet most
1: let's see um i'm not really sure i know if 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 I had to pick, I would like to get like a group of pilots that I that I follow the most on Instagram. There you go. And
0: That's just, a good one.
1: So I don't know if you follow uh uh, uh Sam Sam Fagan. It's a uh, thrust set. He's a uh, spirit uh, pilot. Okay. I'll have to and, check him out. Uh, yeah, and he's a, he's a cool dude. You know, just just get like all the big names of aviation Instagram and just like have like a little party with them.
0: There you <laughs> go. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> All right, here's the last one that I have for you for the rapid fire. What's your favorite thing about aviation?
1: Favorite thing about aviation? Uh the people.
0: Yeah, I would agree.
1: Uh, and I know like everybody says that, but you know, it it's everybody reinforces it. It's it's just it's such a good community. You get a few people, you know, like I had a NetJets jets pilot and he was like, Oh, are you are you a student pilot? It's like, yeah, he goes, Oh, you can stop flying, you know, drones are gonna be you know taking our jobs and this and this you know you have a few guys that are kind of just douchey and jerk but you know but for the the most part everybody has um one another's backs and uh that's
0: That's very true Occasionally you're going to run into that jaded pilot. I know when I started flying, I think it was probably 90% of people I talked to tell me that I'm making the worst decision of my life and that I should quit flying and it's not worth it. It's not the career that it used to be that it once was. And I mean, now the tides have definitely changed and turned and flying is, is a great outlook and it's a great time to get in. And it turns out when I was doing my training was probably one of the better times to actually start flying. So kind of you got to do your own research and you got to do this for the right reasons. Because you're not gonna necessarily be happy if you chase money. I know I've said that before and I know it's hard not to do, but don't get into aviation for money reasons because you never will be happy.
1: Right. Yep, exactly.
0: Well cool exactly. man. Those are pretty much all the questions I have for you. Do you have anything else you want to touch on at all?
1: That's it, man. Um right. actually I got one more thing, you know, and I'm kinda of doing uh a shout out here. Uh there's a new app out and it's um it's uh a weather app. It's called WX24 Pilot, and uh, I actually got to uh, work at the booth for it at Oshkosh. And um, the app's really good. It takes um, all your enroute tasks, and it puts them at ETA. So like when That's you cool. cross, It's like when you cross the airport at this time, this is what the weather's going to be doing. But it, it also takes your, your uh, flight plan in. And it overlays it with prog charts and all this other stuff. And it gives you a new way to look at it too. So it takes a 24 hour clock and puts it in a view where you can look at the weather and all the tasks and all the need hours and what, what it's going to be. So like, if you're like a flight instructor and if you're just like, all right, I'm going to go fly today. I want to book up my whole day. Hop on the app and you get the 24 hour clock and you can look at when, when it's, there's going to be. You any type of airmet, sigmet, and it's going to be VFR and everything's color coded and symbolized, and it's it's just a real handy app. And I cool. know uh, there is a learning curve to it because of that, but uh, if you sit down and dedicate yourself, the app pays for itself. Cool. So, well, I don't sweet. know what he. Has. I don't know what the price of it is now. He mm-hmm. might have bumped it up because uh, he added some new features, but it's it's a good app. But it's a WX24 pilot. And there's a, a three-week uh, free trial.
0: Sweet. Well, sounds good, man. Like I said, uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's, uh, it's cool to kind of just get a different perspective of someone that's still doing their training, that's still kind of in the grind, that's still going after it. So uh, carry on, man. Keep doing your thing. And it's cool to see just how involved you're getting in the community, whether it's flying-wise or even just helping your local community with firefighting. So I really appreciate it.
1: Yep, and uh, I don't think uh, we got the Instagram username in, but uh fly underscore w underscore mike fly with mike.
0: So, all right. So if you want to go follow him, fly underscore w underscore mike fly with mike, and you can go and follow him there. Uh, mike, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it.
1: Yep, thank you, Justin.
0: And that is a wrap of episode number 33. Aviation thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you for putting up with some of the bad audio. I've had to remake this atcho at least five times because there's been planes flying in and around the area. It's just been too noisy and too loud. Like I said, I did just finish the trip. I flew from McAllen, Texas, all the way to Raleigh, Durham to drop off freight. I'm staying overnight in Raleigh. The weather was too bad at home to make it back in, so we went ahead and stayed out overnight. Now I am currently being bid on other trips to fly anywhere else in the world. But anyways, that is why the podcast is a little bit late. I hope you do forgive me. But in further news, if you do like the podcast, like I said, please leave us a review on iTunes or on Facebook. That is how people can find the podcast. It is more searchable and it is easier for people to find the podcast with the more reviews that we have. So please go ahead and leave reviews. Also please share this. Share this with any of your friends at your flight school. Share it with your CFI, share it with your DPE, share it with your friends that aren't even in aviation, that might like aviation. to share it with everyone you know so we can get everyone to listen to the podcast. Aviation, Nation, if you want to be on the podcast, send me an email at pilot to pilot hq at gmail.com. Let me know a little bit about your story. Let me know why you want to be on the podcast. Navy Nation, that is all I have for you today. I will see you next week, and I hope you have a great time flying and good tailwinds.